Sylvia, as you approach the police station with your companions, a thought occurs to you. It's all very well you using your authority about town to ask questions here, but ultimately Chief McLean is going to have the greatest amount of access at the precinct. He knows these people well, they trust him, he's not a lawyer like you, and frankly... You don't want to be, literally and figuratively, a third wheel or member in this little investigation. So, there are other avenues open to you. One of which strikes close to home. The thoughts that have been flooding your mind since you've been set to this task by Jessica Inzio are, of course, of your grandson. And while your professional calling has always made you erect a cold, dare I say, frigid front, your conscience, your stability has been wounded by his death, especially his death being in such a violent manner, and you've not had the opportunity to really come to peace with that. And so, with all of this in mind, there is one place you could go where you could maybe do some good in this investigation, and, if closure exists, push yourself a little closer towards it. The morgue. Beneath the town hospital in Devonsport still contains the dead. Through various reasons the victims of the school shooting are still on ice and dare I say it taking up a fair amount of room but people haven't signed off yet on the release of the corpses the people that need to and in a case such as this those people are the mayor and the chief of police who has had it clamped down on him by Jessica Inzio that they are to be retained until this investigation is concluded. All that said, your grandson is still there. A memorial service has been held for him and the other children, the other victims, but his body is still there waiting to be handed back to the family and funeral arrangements made. Yes, it's true. We still haven't had a proper burial for him, and it's something that itches me. A memorial is just not the same thing, and it's left me wondering, actually, why this has been put on hold, but then I've been burying myself in work these past few weeks. Again, I am a bit surprised that it is five weeks ago that this happened. Yes... Perhaps that would be helpful. And perhaps I could sort through any kind of paperwork that would be there and figure out the reason why they're actually being kept. It's a good call. You part ways with your companions as they enter the police station. You make your way to the hospital, driving alone in silence. Dimly taking in the view of the town around you that has felt increasingly foreign to you ever since the shooting broke the peace of Devonsport. Of course, uh, your grandson isn't going to be the only body there. 
as mentioned, uh, along with Henry, the other victims, and, of course, the perpetrator, Patrick Wilson, will still be there. If there are answers to be obtained regarding the incidents at the school, maybe there are some to be found in the chiller. And after I reach the place, I have to reach back into the back seat where I threw the phone in earlier frustration after my phone call with my giggling colleague. And uh, I uh, quickly write down a text to the other two, just explaining why I was made absent at this point. Uh, And then I ruffle through my, my little bag of pills find some am I so pride and uh, chug it down with the little water that I had left in my bottle right let's do this you enter the sterile hospital the reek of ammonia as ever reaching your nostrils and hitting you in the back of the throat as these places always do you've never been comfortable in places like this it takes you back to your childhood to a memory that you wish you could suppress but have never been able to of when you first started suffering the ailment that sometimes racks your mind. Doctors have diagnosed it as all kinds of things. One told you you were, had manic depression. Another went as far as to say that you were displaying all the symptoms of schizophrenia. Either way, over the years you have been through a number of medical regimens and of course visited many facilities, sometimes even been institutionalised in them, but again, only really in your youth. Very few people know this about you. You're not really forthcoming with that kind of information. And what's more, when your son found out, as he grew up, that you had spent some time in what amounted to a padded cell and attending meetings with similar sufferers. You became convinced that it was just a weakness to display any kind of illness of the mind, a show of vulnerability that other people could exploit. Yeah, and... Whatever I had, whatever I'd gone through, I wasn't about to let that rub off on my offspring. I kept things to myself. My then-husband was ever supportive, but as I think of this, whenever it comes back to me, all I can extract from it is that his sympathy... Empathy, if anything, it just helped making Richard weak. Brian, my now ex-husband, he gave too much. He always did. Now it's led to this pitiable mess of a son who can't even... who can't even take justice into his own hands and go over to these people that did this. Wilson's Patrick Wilson seeing his dead body itself might give me something of a I don't know relief as you approach the morgue of course not somewhere that civilians can just enter to and fro freely 
There is a reception, just as there is in every major department of the hospital. And the young woman, on the other side of it, peering through thick glasses at a novel. There's clearly not that much traffic going down here. Huffs and sighs as you approach. You must have been getting to a good bit. The smell of bleach in this part of the hospital is really quite acrid. It burns your eyes. No wonder she's had to adopt a heavy prescription. It probably damages them. She looks through the spectacles at you. Yes? Good afternoon. I am Sylvia Spears. I'm working on behalf of the mayor. We are examining the reports of the school shooting. I have come to look over the reports of uh, the forensic reports. I see. I see. And she turns to her computer. Your name? Sylvia Spears. Sylvia Spears. Is that with an A or two E's? Double E. Double E. And you say you are here on behalf of the mayor? That's right. Mm, mayor. Very good. And uh, you're just here to view the report, not uh, identify it. I would like to also see the bodies, but I'll check the reports first and then have a look. There are certain things that we feel like we need a second opinion on, even though I'm not per se a doctor... If you could get someone in after the first hour, that would be very helpful. Oh, no, 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 ma'am. I can't just let you go in there without accompaniment. Even with the mayor's permission, you can't just go around opening drawers and examining bodies. Not unless you're a doctor yourself, and at that, a doctor on staff here. I'll need to call one of the doctors down now to accompany you, if that's all right with you. Of course, I say, and I give a forced smile. She gives a forced smile in return. Her warmth is about as, well, clement as the chill at this level of the hospital. She picks up a phone, presses a number. Dr. Berger, please. And she smiles at you again. Yes, uh, Dr. Berger. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Oh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe later. Well, I don't know. What are you thinking? Well, I suppose we could. Well, I, I'll have to check. You know, I, I've, I've got a lot on. <clears throat> she smiles at you again. There's someone down here who wishes to have access to the morgue and to uh, view some of the bodies. No, not a doctor uh, or a member of the staff. A, and she checks the screen again and squints through her spectacles. Sylvia... Spears. Spears. Yes, like the, um... What was he? Minister of Armaments or something? Oh, no, no, you're right, you're right. That's just, that's just Speer. Well, yes, I mean, she she says she's here on behalf of the mayor. Okay, uh, that that's fine. I, I'll let her know. Uh, so, Miss... Miss Spears... That's right. Yes. Uh, Dr. Berger says he will be down here as soon as he's finished his lunch. So if you'd like to take a seat, we have some reading material. Uh, or I can show you where the coffee machine is. Could I... Perhaps... Do you have access to the reports if I could start reading them in the meantime? 
she winces through her teeth. I can't, even though you're citing the mayor, uh, I can't just hand over forensic reports to just anybody, not without a doctor to sign them out. I'm sorry, um, Ms. Spears. Uh, as I say, if you'd like to take a seat, we've got some glossy magazines uh, down there. I know they're a few months out of date. Um, you know, local news, that kind of thing. Or if you want a coffee. I'm f- fine. A-, a coffee would be nice. Yes, please. Um I'll sit over there. She points you in the direction. She doesn't make a gesture as if she's going to get up and get the coffee for you. The machine's down there. It takes dollar bills. And cards. I, uh, give another smile and I turn over to go over there and get this coffee. It'll be nice, actually. Yeah. Get that. And then we'll wait for this Dr. Burger to have his... Lunch finished. You can see your reflection in the coffee machine's plastic coating. Leaning forward to check my makeup, make sure it is immaculate as ever. You do look pretty sharp. Despite the heat of the motel earlier and the stress you've been through since then, you're still looking like you could take down a suspect in the courtroom as you often have. You've found a way, you know, you've got the perfect combination of makeup and hairstyle, sharp outfit and heels just tall enough to give you poise, if not dominance. And you've mastered that look. Hell, there are some people in town that would probably say Sylvia Spears hasn't changed much in the last 20 years. Yeah. And that is how I intend to go on. Can you make a soul roll, please? See through the illusion. Twelve. So a slight complication here. You feed your dollar into the machine and take your coffee and then spill it. Because as you look at your reflection and check your makeup while handling the cup of hot coffee, it's not just you looking back through the reflection. You can see the scared, tear-stained face of your grandson, Henry, just by your side, looking younger than he was at the time of his death, clutching onto you, scared. You can't feel him, but you can see him. And this isn't a case like in a in some cheap horror movie where you blink or you look down and he's not there. No, he's not there, but you look back at the reflection, and he still is. I spill the coffee at first. I pull back my hand, and I just stare at the illusion. And yes, as you described, I do look down at my hand, my side. He's not there, but he's... He's there. And these things do come to me from time to time, but nothing that has hit this close to home. Sometimes these illusions have been a comfort. Sometimes they've thrown me off a bit. But this is different. Knowing that he is here, just somewhere below where I'm standing, he remains of him is here 
And if I ever believed in something more than a carnal existence, it's almost that I have this feeling of a, a soul lingering. You can see his lips moving in the reflection, like he's trying to tell you something, but you can't hear any words. His lips are just slowly moving as one of his hands goes up to one eye and wipes away a tear. And then it goes to the other eye and wipes away a tear. But as it does so, it also wipes away the eyeball. His socket is empty and is now oozing blood. My hand that I burnt somewhat from the coffee goes up to just loosely trace the reflection of his face in the machine. Could you make a read a person roll, please? Intuition. That's a five. You feel it now. Oh, you feel it. You feel him gripping your waist and you feel the burn of the coffee. But the burn of the coffee on your hand now is no longer just the flash of a boiling liquid that's touched your skin and scorched it. It's now corroding it and eating into it. It feels like a hundred tiny teeth just chewing that reach of skin between your thumb and and forefinger and reaching deeper and deeper until it's biting into the muscle. But worse than that is this feeling, this squeeze at your waist, at your hips, just tightening, constricting, as Henry doesn't want to let you go. And he looks increasingly desperate, increasingly agitated, increasingly pained and upset, and is just squeezing and pulling himself between your legs as if to hide, as if to hide from whatever is coming after him, and he's just trying to climb into you, disappear into you, and hide somehow from what's about to happen, and then you hear a voice. Excuse me, Miss Spears. Uh, I... I've done this before. I can push it away. I can push it away. I try to just quickly... Lean back from leaning on the machine. Stand up straight. Hold down my hand. I'm trying to deny this feeling of someone trying to hold me close. This final remnant of what we, I don't know, feeling of him. To turn towards the voice. Drop your stability down to unfocused. Miss Spears, uh, I, I assume... Dr. Berger. Yes. You uh, didn't have to hurry too much with your lunch, I hope. Oh, no, not at all. I was near the end. My goodness, what? He sees the splash of coffee on the floor. He sees your hand, which is blistered already. I'm terribly sorry. These machines do sometimes fling the cup of coffee at you rather than just dropping it in the slot. I will will get... uh, someone out to look at this don't worry i'm so sorry uh can i can i put something on your hand something cold but um i don't mind too much we are uh, i'm happy to to get on with going down to to start this oh so yes yes of course he does look quite alarmed at this uh Victoria, Victoria, can you call uh, one of the porters? We we need this mopped up, please. 
and, uh, and get an out-of-order sign put on the coffee machine. This isn't the first time it's burnt someone. Anyway, do, do come with me, Miss Spears. While I was upstairs, I uh, just had a quick check uh, to make sure that uh, you were who you said you were, and uh, your you, well, the face I'm looking at now matches the face on your website, and sure enough, you are the lawyer you claim to be. I just uh, happen to wonder, he pushes the double doors open, they squeak, and he holds one open for you to follow. But he doesn't break his stride. I just wonder, what uh, brings you down here now? Are you finally going to take these bodies off our hands? I uh, smile appreciatively at this. This is good. A man who cares for details and uh, making sure that everything is checking out. As I walk through the door that he is opening for me, I say, um, Well, uh, I work for NZO Industries, and we've been hired, along with the chief of police, would you believe it, to have an extra look at this case, uh, seeing as how the mayor believes that something might have been missed. I'm sure you've done your part perfectly well. I'm just here to have a look at the paperwork and... See if I find anything that could help the case. Well, it's uh, interesting you should say that. He pushes the next set of doors open. This time he lets you go before him. And then you reach a door with a keycard reader. And he puts his pass up to it. Please, after you. Thank you. Really, what makes you say that? Well, I wasn't the uh, doctor that performed the initial autopsies. That was uh, Dr. Nesbitt. Nesbit, and uh, did you find anything lacking in the reports, or? Uh... Oh, very much so. Yes, I mean, well, and I, I, I should, I'm not uh, putting any, I guess, bad news on Nesbit's door. Please uh, take a seat. It's not exactly hospitable lodgings. You are now in the morgue, uh, sat opposite the one of the many metallic table surrounded by a drip tray the floor more like that of a shower block the wall lined with the kinds of cabinets you've seen in movies and tv shows it is as cold in here as you would imagine it has all the austerity and seriousness of a well a place where bodies are examined cut open their organs removed tagged, sometimes returned to the cavity in their chest, sometimes taken for further examination. Thankfully for your stress levels, there are no bodies just lying out in the open. This does all look thoroughly clean and well kept, but he gestures for you to take a stool, and he sits on one as well. I uh, take that one that's being offered to me, and I do sit down I eager to hear what he has to say about Dr. Mesbitt's examinations. Well, I mean, it's a short story, Miss Spears. The FBI were the first individuals here to do the examination, as we know. Uh, they took over operations, and, well, uh, he leans forward. Between you, I, and our friends in the freezer, um, I had no problem with that. I don't want uh, 20-something bodies suddenly to deal with. Neither did Dr. Nesbitt. And so the FBI examined the bodies. They 
completed their reports. Their experts came here from the cities. And that was it. Job done. We still have their initial report. Uh, however, Dr. Nesbitt decided... Uh, for reasons I don't quite understand, other than the fact that Nesbitt has always been a bit of a... Uh, perfectionist. He just wanted to cross the T's, dot the I's, as they say. And so he just uh, pulled some of the bodies and decided to give them one more look. And he found that the FBI report was inaccurate. He found that bullet wounds were... He shows you, he pulls a piece of paper from the side of one of the tables, and along with the line, empty lines for cause of death, any notable injuries, markings, uh, and, and so on, there is a small diagram of a human body, and he points at it and he says... What you would do if there was someone who had suffered injuries, uh, wounds, and such, is you would mark on this diagram the approximate location of the wound, and then you would put a number next to it. You would then ascribe that number a description in the text block. You, I'm sure you understand. You've probably seen these kinds of things in court. Yes, I'm quite familiar with them. Well, in that case, I should stop teaching you how to suck eggs and get to the point. Dr. Nesbitt found that the FBI's report did not match the wounds on the bodies he was looking at. Now, rather than Nesbitt uh, coming to me with this and asking for a second opinion, he decided he would do the diligent thing. He, I was on vacation at the time. He decided he would file new reports. New forensic reports on the bodies. He found... No, no, he, he found most of them. He found most of them were roughly similar, but some of them were markedly different. So he did a new report for every single body and sent it to the FBI. My eyes have narrowed throughout this, thinking to myself, why would the Bureau go through the trouble of doing this the wrong way? who was leading that investigation, and then side thoughts. I have to brush them aside. I need to be present for this. Mm, interesting. And what did they say when they got this new updated report? Well, of course, they disagreed with him. Uh, they essentially felt like he was impugning their, not honour, but their professionalism. And so they said, well, we will have to send someone down. And Nesbitt said, no, no, that's not necessary. Just sign off for my report. So they were on the phone. By the time I came back in, this discussion was still going on. And so I said to Nesbitt, it's fine. I'll take over. And so I examined the bodies. And do you know what I found? I assume that's perhaps something closer to your colleagues' examinations. Ha! <laughs> Quite the contrary. Some were, as the FBI described, some were as Nesbitt described, but neither party was exactly correct. What do you mean? How is... How, wait. Yes, yes, please, go ahead, ask. You're saying that some were reflecting the FBI's reports and some were reflecting Nesbitt's? Were any... Not accurate at all. Oh, well, some were roughly accurate, but and and indeed far below the diligence I expect from my good colleague. And again, I'm not 
accusing him of being unprofessional. Nesbitt is among the finest uh, morticians you're going to find. But I couldn't explain it. I couldn't, how they say, tie that knot. It didn't make sense. The FBI were right on some of them. Nesbitt was right on some of them. But they were not equally correct or equally incorrect. I can understand you're confused. I'm confused as well. My gaze goes slowly over to the cabinets on the wall and uh, a slightly disturbing fantasy hits me of all the bodies lying in there and them slowly changing shape, their injuries changing by the hour. That is... Anything else that stood out? Anything with regards to what, who were shot by what kinds of weapons or anything that didn't match with what we know of the actual shooting? Ah, well, I'm no psychologist, and nor am I a police officer. It isn't my job to understand who was shot or why, really, beyond cause of death. And regardless of the wounds these corpses have displayed to the experts who have examined them, they are all lethal wounds. Don't get me wrong. And so we still have the vast majority, not all, some bodies have started being released now, we've finally got permission, but we do still have some bodies on ice here because we cannot make sense of it. And if I sound a little confident, please do not mistake that for assuredness. I am intrigued beyond anything I have ever worked on before. I have written to uh, one of my former professors at my university that that she needs to come down here as well to, to have a look at these because I've tried thinking, well... If the FBI see one thing, if Nesbitt sees another thing, and this puts the shakes into Nesbitt when I see something different as well, because Nesbitt and I ultimately, of course, started examining the bodies ourselves. Well, I I should say we started examining the bodies together. And of course, when we look at them together, we each see the wounds in the same places. However, we check them the following day, and we ha- we can both see that those wounds have moved. How is this? Has anyone ever reported anything similar to this? The closest I can say, and in case you're wondering, this is why we've kept hold of these bodies, it's, this is a medical anomaly, but the closest I can say is there have been some cases, usually when a body is exposed to extreme temperatures, that skin, that organs, that the viscera, it can, it can contract, it can expand, it can change its, its dimensions. So you would say that from one day or week to the next you could open the same drawer here on the wall and the body would have changed the the injuries would have changed yes and this is where the problem rises because 
I could explain it, I could rationalise it away if one night or one day I looked at the body of, let's say, let's pick Patrick Wilson as an example. I was going to ask about him if there were anything different about him. Aside from the number of wounds that he has on his body, but a wound that Nesbitt identified that the FBI did not was a clear hole through the sternum that burst through his heart and exited just under his left shoulder blade. A clean through wound, I think a lot of people would describe it as. Now, if I, given the notes regarding bones that had been destroyed and the heart had been destroyed as well, if I then examined that same body a day later, and I found that the wound was an inch or two to the right, but had somehow still damaged the same uh, same bones, same muscle. I could explain that. Again, extremes of temperature, it can happen. It's very rare, especially on this kind of scale. But instead, what I found was an intact sternum, an intact heart, but he still had the wound under his left shoulder blade. It's just when I examined it, that wound started just under his left pectoral, cut through the entire lower half of his left lung, and burst through exactly where Nesbitt said it had. Now, I can't explain how Nesbitt could write that Patrick Wilson's heart was disintegrated by a bullet, how his sternum was shattered by the same bullet, and then for me to examine only to find that <laughs> quite that quite not, this victim, this young man's heart is still in place, his sternum is still in place. It is either malpractice on a massive scale, which I do not believe, because I have subsequently seen with my own eyes mm. that these changes are happening. I don't believe in anything supernatural, Miss Spears. No, me neither. There is no scientific explanation for this that I can fathom. And so we called the FBI... Again, we explained that this was what we had seen, uh, that, and we even, of course, recorded. Uh, usually we record everything on uh, audio, but we do have the ability, the facility down here to record everything visually as well, because this is a teaching hospital. It's useful. And we sent them the video files. So far, the FBI are sitting on it. They are on a wait-and-see mode. And to that end, they've told us to keep hold of the bodies. Does anyone else know about this? You mentioned a professor. Well, yes, I invited my professor. Uh, she is due to make it down next week to, to see whether I've completely lost my mind. Uh, I have to say that the entire thing makes me feel quite... If it's not too morbid, it makes me feel excited. I understand this is an anomaly in your kind of work. I'm not sure if it's at all helpful for my investigations. In fact, I 
feel like it might make it more of an obstacle in clearing this out. Is there any body that stands out as, as not changing this way or or anything else that are they this is the whole why did you decide to release some of them some of them the changes were minimal uh, they were as described where there were changes it was subtle and so we released those bodies back to the families but that was a bare quarter of the cadavers that we have here and how about the the, the larger changes is there anything you could demonstrate or show me that as in like a pattern yes I suppose like did they somehow c- circulate if that's a, these injuries that's a good question I mean obviously Nesbitt and I spent a lot of time trying to work out is there some kind of connection here again we're just <laughs> we're just doctors that work in a morgue this isn't the X-Files. And I assume that this would have to be a spare time project of oh, yours. No, 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 no. Um, we don't get a great many deaths through here, so... I mean, typically, if there isn't a cadaver being rushed in, we'll be working in a different part of the hospital. Uh, so we spent some time, a uh, few days, trying to correlate any kind of uh, similarities, trying to determine any kind of patterns, or whether this was entirely random, this phenomenon. Right. So, would you be able to show me one of these reports? I mean, or, let's say one of the victims, let's take the shooter, for example, and uh, if you show me your different reports and then compare it to the actual body, would you be able to show that? I will show you the latest... Uh, in the end, Nesbitt and I stopped making these reports on a daily basis because the wounds kept changing. But I will show you the latest report I had on uh, young Patrick Wilson. And you will see for yourself that the body does not bear those wounds. He heads over to draw number 41. I stand up and uh, come after him. Uh, have you, I must ask, have you ever seen a corpse before? I have. Not children, I think to myself. Well, I know I've spoken with a certain amount of giddy enthusiasm, but uh, it's uh, only prudent of me to suggest that you take a seat. Uh, if I'm handling a corpse or transferring it to the table, uh, I'm not going to be able to catch you if you fall. I do as you say, feeling slightly ridiculous, but I'm not going to make a fool of myself by falling over somewhere. He extracts the drawer. There's a body in a translucent bag, zipper from head to toe, currently zipped up. He rolls the drawer out. It's uh, clearly an extractable bed, and raises it to the level of one of the examination tables, where he unzips it, and you get your first glimpse of Patrick Wilson. Hmm. The young boy has been brutalised in a hail of gunfire. His torso, his head have been shredded in places. 
Just chunks of flesh ripped clean out. There are numerous holes around his chest. One of his nipples is completely gone. There is a clean puncture wound straight through his throat. You can actually see the bed on the metal of the surface glistening through the other side. I stand up slowly with fascination and a general curiosity of what my own reaction will be seeing this. Make a keep it together roll, please. Ten. You find yourself holding the side of the examination table. You don't think you're about to faint. It's a mix of emotions. There's, of course, as much as you don't like to feel it, sympathy. This was a young man in his teens, and no mercy was shown. It's a horrible, violent way to go. But combined with that sympathy, overriding it is that sense of anger. The sense of injustice. He got what he deserved. Henry, your grandson, all those other kids, that teacher, they didn't. They were victims of this monster. And how peaceful he looks in death is clearly a lie because he was not that man in life. No. No. That bastard got what he deserved. I'm sorry, Miss Spears? Uh, I, I, I was saying, do you, did you have the file so that I could, you could show me the comparison of the, the, the injuries from what I'm seeing in front of me? Of course, here you go. If you need me to explain anything, I'm right here. But take your time. Thank you. And I flip it open on a side cupboard where I could start looking at it and then compare the notes and see this for my own, with my own eyes, how it doesn't accrue with what he has first deducted from the examination. This incredibly macabre game of spot the difference goes on for a little while, mainly because of the sheer number of injuries that Patrick Wilson endured before he was left to bleed out. But yes, there are differences. Some of the wounds are the same, some are not. Most are not. Some are farther away from the specified location. Some, like the wound through the throat, aren't recorded at all. And you can see Berger is stood there now, arms folded, a bit of a smug look on his face, his eyebrows raised. See? Now, I wrote that report last week. Yeah. This, this one here isn't even recorded, I remark. No, I have seen it before, though. Hmm. When I first looked at the body, that wound was there. Here, he passes you another report, and then another. You could put all three of those side by side. They're all reports written by me. Sometimes you will see the same wound appear more than once. Sometimes it will only appear a single time. 
I wager that if you made enough of these reports, you would find some kind of pattern, though who knows what that pattern would dictate. As I said, there is no logical reason for this. There is no scientific reason for this. Uh, I, I, I cannot explain how a body that does not have a wound through its throat can be pulled out one morning only for us to find a wound five weeks old through its throat. There might be a significance to this. I understand you've gathered quite a bit of material now in all your reports. Uh, Would it be possible to have copies of them so I can go over this? Uh, The FBI have suggested not. I'm speaking to you now, I suppose in confidence, but I'm also frankly excited because you're the first person to really show much of an interest. Nesbitt took with him the initial autopsy reports. He said he was going to study them at home. Ah. So all I have now are the ones I've written over the last two weeks. Sure. I'd be still interested in comparing them. We are chasing threads at this. We're trying to find out, and I see that this is an extraordinary circumstance. I don't know what my colleagues are currently finding as I said, I'm working with the chief of police with this. Well, we've not even been able to release the blood analysis report to the police. The FBI stopped us, but have a look at this. He heads over to one of the filing cabinets, leafs through it. Now, this hasn't changed. The FBI recorded it, Nesbitt recorded it, I recorded it, just in case there was anything else that changed like this. And what have you found? And he... Stands next to you, a little too close for your level of comfort, and puts his finger on the paperwork. I can't help but lean in despite standing so close by. This is somehow pulling me in. So as you can see here, he says, lowering his voice, this is the blood analysis. Now, this is my latest one, but I can assure you this will match everything the FBI and Nesbitt took down as well. You see, and he moves his finger in a circle over one particular passage. This is the blood that was on Patrick Wilson's clothing. That blood is his. Yes. This blood is one of the other students. Which student? Um, he flips to the next page. Uh, one... Henry Spears. I tense up slightly. He steps back a little. I'm terribly sorry, any relation? I, uh, look down at the paper for a second, gathering myself, and then I look up and meet his gaze fixating it, and I say, my, he was my grandson. Oh, I, my, my condolences, Miss Spears, I had no idea, I wouldn't have just been referring to them as cadavers and, and, and so on if I had known. They are dead bodies. Even the person that you're holding here that I gesticulate to the 
doors is not nothing but it's not him well 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 nevertheless i i, I certainly have overstepped explaining so much to you I, I had no idea you had a personal connection can uh, we just get to the point please well well yes of course so and he hurriedly points now these five rows underneath uh, wilson's name there these are all different blood samples taken from his clothes as you can imagine he was shooting at quite close range he got a fair amount of blood on him from some of his victims However, this line here is a blood sample taken from his clothing with no source. Doesn't match any of the students? No, none of the students, not the teacher either. No one who was listed as wounded or killed. I see. Someone, that a body that wasn't found, perhaps. Someone that has been injured, judging from the w- blood. Yes, well, there was quite a lot of it. So this wasn't just someone who had pricked a finger and uh, managed to get a little bit of blood. This was... Yes, it was uh, It was substantial. Have you ran for any sort of match in other databases? The FBI did. And uh, they came back with nothing. So it's a mystery. Someone else was there, are you suggesting? I'm not suggesting anything. I'm a doctor, not a an investigator or detective, but this doesn't lie. While these wounds, I I cannot explain them, even though... And you see his eyes light up again. They do excite me, I find. But this... this blood analysis... Well, of course, it means there was someone else. Uh, whether that person is another victim... An accomplice. It's definitely human blood, I can tell you that. But there is no DNA match. I feel a strong, sudden lack of kinship with this doctor, who obviously is very diligent, but holds no particular agenda for himself, other than just diving into whatever he seems to think is interesting. But perhaps that's good in this case. Right. Do you think, in the records, would you be able to tell from the police forensics that this blood, where it might have been shed, and if it were occurring in other places at the school, would you be able to compare it with the samples that they might have gathered during their clinical investigation of the crime scene? I would, I would, except, as I say, the FBI, they're blood sample analysis, it came here. And we've not released it to the police, because we would typically release the blood analysis with the autopsy reports. And at this time, we can't do either until the FBI permits us to. And if I'm being candid with you, Miss Spears, the police haven't shown any great urgency to receive this information. Which is very frustrating from a storage perspective because this is a lot of bodies to keep hold of for a long time but from a scientific perspective this provides us with all kinds of opportunities for experimentation because again i cannot and he slaps his hand down on the table very close to patrick wilson's head 
explain to you any of this. And that's... Well, you have to understand the appeal of such a mystery to someone in my profession. Of course. I, I see your your fascination with this case. I feel like I need to somehow, if we're going to do this in proper legal proceedings, get into the contact with whoever is running the investigation on the Bureau side as well. Do you have a name for me? An Agent Sullivan. Agent Sullivan. Agent Sullivan in D.C. is our contact. But um, I dare say you won't get any more information out of her than, than we have. I would assume as much. And to me this is an urgent case that I would love to understand more of the circumstances of. I'm not going to venture into the supernatural just like you. Oh, no, no. There must be an explanation. If I could somehow look at the reports and see what correlates, if there are any patterns of these injuries, I don't see how it could hurt anything that they might be investigating in parallel to what we're doing. Uh, well, I will give you the reports I have, and you can look at them on this site, but again, I can't release them. Nesbitt's already taken half of the material, and I'm pretty unhappy about that. I understand. Well, that's appreciated. I'd like to do that. Finally, a personal favor. As you happen to bring up, by, quite by accident, my grandson was part of the shooting... I, since I'm here on professional business anyway, would you mind terribly if I saw the remains and just, I was hoping that maybe it would help give me a final bit of uh, catharsis. His face, chill expression, his frankly eerie enthusiasm for all of this drop. And he looks at you blankly. Catharsis. Closure. Moving on. They're all myths. We... Fragile mortals. Try to face the unknown. The scary. The dead in the hope that it will strengthen us, that it will allow us to move past the fear that we have of the inevitable. But it doesn't. It won't. It can't. If you feel lost now, you will feel lost in the future as well. But I will, of course, uh, extract the body uh, from the freezer for you. You are a relative... And if, as long as you can provide a register of your identity at the reception, just in case there's any questions. I know who you are, but we can't just go around pointing people to your website. Thank you, Doctor. Thank you for the... Thank you. That's quite all right. He extracts drawer 15 and follows the same procedure as before transferring the body of Henry Spears to another one of the tables across the room from Patrick Wilson, who still lays there. 
wounds on show. I'll leave you to make your peace. The paperwork is over there, and he points. He leaves you alone. I let him leave, and I take a deep breath, trying to shake this off, trying to just give a glance at the paperwork where he indicated. That's where the work is. I'll just look at this, at him, one last time. Then I'll have the rest on file. I don't care for his preachings. I don't care. I have to see him. And I slowly start walking over, hearing the echoing of my heels the barren room. The body of your grandson isn't quite so ripped to pieces as Patrick Wilson. He only bears two wounds, but both of them are fatal. One is what they describe as center mass, passing just between both ribs, below his heart, but according to the report beside him, well, that report's inaccurate. That report says it would have punctured his kidney, but this bullet wound is far too high for that. Without manipulating the body, you can't see where the exit is, but you're, the other, finding the other wound is easy enough. It's his left eye. Now, you're not here to examine the body like a pathologist, like a mortician, like a like a morbid doctor, like Berger over there. You're here to try and find some closure and look past the injuries that killed him, trying to see this body as more than just a corpse, completely bereft of life, utterly cold and lifeless to the touch, barely even resembling the grandson that you knew and loved, just about the only person in this world that you loved at this point in your life. And it's a struggle. It's... It's so hard to look at something so... absent of vitality and recognise anything of the boy that you placed so dear. I gently stroke a bit of his hair away from the side of his face with the hand that I burnt with the coffee feel the coldness of his skin it's tight cold lifeless draw for breath and I just say I'm sorry Henry I'm so sorry can you make a soul roll, please? Seventeen. There's a part of you that does feel at peace for this entirely physical communion. Even seeing him in this state is more than you've had for this last month. And though you can't see anything change, 
you feel it. You feel a smaller hand in yours. Just squeezing it gently like Henry's might have when he was smaller and you'd walk with him to the park, to the toy shop or the cinema or wherever it was you happened to be going with him. And there's a reassuring squeeze that comes with a feeling of I love you, Grandma. And as it floats, melts away, your blistered skin is completely recovered. The burn that was there is utterly gone. There's no sign of it. Even the shakes that you have for the first hour, minor as they are, after taking your medication, have abated. The body hasn't moved, but on some level you feel spiritually calmed. I give a gentle pat again on the side of his head, looking at my hand, how it's just changed. I'm squeezing my other hand where I felt his. We'll find out what happened. Don't you worry. As you step away from the body and go to the paperwork, the next 30 minutes to an hour is spent in a way that you're most comfortable. At work. Looking through paperwork, looking for details, looking for clues, looking for, as you pointed out, some kind of similarity, some kind of pattern. Something that might give you an answer as to what on earth's going on here. It's... When you stop to think of how thirsty you are, you never did get that coffee. It starts coming together for you on some level. Could you make for me... A reason roll, please. Eleven. The pattern starts coming together for you. There is one. Though it's not immediately obvious. It's not connected to how these people died, necessarily. So much as where where the bullets entered and where they exited. It's a little like playing dot to dot. From each autopsy report to the next and you come away with something you don't quite understand but it's something that is familiar across the bodies it's a symbol you're not sure what the symbol denotes but it's a repeating symbol that while not identical from each cadaver to the next is similar enough that you have it in a vague shape. It's a little like a key. Upside down, three-pronged, with an unfinished circle at one, at one end, and points driving down on the other. A cross beam in a semicircle, dividing the one end from the other. 
The entire symbol looks jagged, rough, uh, spined almost. But where the major wounds occur, you can make out this shape. Where the minor lacerations occur, you can make out the jagged edges of the symbol. I start to hastily take photos of this, having put the autopsy reports out almost in a circle and seeing how the pattern matches up. Right, this is definitely creating something. I'm not sure if I'm in some sort of shock, but this I'm going to preserve it. And I'll be able to have something to present to the others. At least there were two doctors doing these things along with the FBI, so it's not like it could be one person making the mistakes. This is definitely something, I say, and I give a short glance back at the dead body of Henry. There was a complication, and here it is. As you study the symbol and you take your photos, you feel a breeze run through your hair. That's impossible. The air in here is quite stagnant for a morgue. There's certainly no air flowing, but you do feel it. It's like a breath close to the back of your neck. And on that breath comes a whispered voice. Help! Help me! It wasn't me! It wasn't! Help me! I brace myself. Almost knowing that something is about to come, I slowly turn around to... See where the voice comes from. There's an old man in Dr. Scrubs stood at the opposite end of the morgue by the doors, a cup of coffee in hand, and he's looking at you most quizzically. What are you doing in here? (sighs) Straightening up, I rub my arms a bit unconsciously, but I try to stop and straighten my skirt. I am uh, helping out with an investigation, and who might you be? I'm Dr. Berger. Who let you in here? Uh, I I was let in by someone who called themselves Dr. Berger. (laughs) I'm afraid not. I'm Dr. Berger. Look, he walks over to you, shows you his pass. Uh, there was a, there's a young woman on reception out there, Victoria. She said, "Ah, you must, yeah, you must be Miss Spears." He said you were waiting for me. I came down. You weren't there. She said that she saw you by the coffee machine, and then you were gone. Uh, guessed you grow tired of waiting, <laughs> and you're saying I let you in here. I've been upstairs having my lunch. Does this person look at all like the Doctor Berger I met? No. The Dr. Berg you met was tall, broad-shouldered, probably about 20 years younger. I... uh, Someone let me in, claiming to be you. I obviously don't have access to the doors. 
and I look back at the where the reports were laid out and the patterns that I saw. All you're looking at now are single reports for every single body. I, yeah, I, I, I was going. I'm, I'm doing an investigation. Yes, um, yes. Uh, Victoria told me something of that kind. Um, I, I was wondering if you'd uh, noticing anything that stood out in 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 the. Uh, autopsies of the uh, young students nothing in particular most of them shot with an m16 except for um, patrick wilson over there who was taken down by the cops and their handguns uh, were you the one performing the autopsies well the fbi performed the initial investigation i then had to correlate them you and a dr nesbet uh, there's no Dr. Nesbitt here, it's just just me. Uh, I send my reports off to uh, the FBI because they need to sign them off before we can release the bodies. And they've been very slow in doing that, I can tell you. That's why we've got so many of them clogging up our freezers. Uh, did you take these two bodies out? Uh, no, like I said, there there was another man here. I, I go up and I... I can't help needing to look at the bodies to see if they're still the same. They are not the same. Well, your grandson's is, but Patrick Wilson's is not. That wound in the throat is gone. The bullet holes marking his chest, shoulders, abdomen head they are still there although they are not where you saw them before it's difficult to remember exactly where each of them was but that most distinctive one the one you could see the metallic table through is no longer there listen i i think i should probably ask you to leave uh, i don't know who you've been speaking to or who let you in here but uh, i can't just be letting a private citizen pull the bodies from the freezers and start rummaging through our paperwork, mayoral connection or no. Yes, that's, uh, of course. I, uh, I understand, yes. Um, there's been a misunderstanding, I say, and I feel quite taken aback and a sudden urge to just leave. Okay, well, uh, you have a good day. I'll obviously tidy up in here. Uh, don't don't take any of this paperwork with you, mind you. It doesn't doesn't belong to you. I know. I was going to. Uh, we, we, if you come up with anything that you think stand out or something that you feel is missing, please contact me, and I give him a business card. Sylvia Spears, right. I, if I find anything that stands out, I will. you'll be the first person to know. I appreciate that. I try to smile, but I feel, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm starting to head for the door. He slurps his coffee loudly, and his eyes follow you as you leave the room. The morgue doors swing shut behind you, sealing the air in with a f noise as you make your way down the green painted corridor back toward the reception where you encountered Victoria, your heels clicking on the tiled floor, echoing around you. 
As you get to the stairs, you realise you're free of this place. You're not being chased. There isn't anything hounding you other than the phenomenon that you just experienced, whatever it was. You're no stranger to hallucinations. But the fact of the matter is that even if some of that was a hallucination, you were able to get into that place. You were able to find the bodies of not just Patrick Wilson, but also your grandson without opening every single freezer. What are the odds of that? All of that. No, it's not enough to be just one hallucination. It's not. It's not. And I take up my phone and I start looking at the photos I took. Can I... Is it there? Is it the pattern there? Are the pictures that I took there? It's like staring at a Polaroid picture that is developing before your eyes, except in reverse. Those electronic files, some of them are just bleeding away on your screen, as if the data is corrupting before your very eyes. But the symbol, you can remember it, even if your phone doesn't bear out the evidence. I quickly just take uh, out a napkin and a pen just to just to sketch it down. I don't know why this feels important. And then you're breathing fresh air. You exit the hospital. Just as when many a person exits a hospital and they realise how light it is outside, how fresh the air can be away from the smell of bleach and urine and blood dirty scrubs you're out a light mist of rain hitting you on the face and feeling more refreshing than well than the last time you had a drink god you're thirsty I need something oh I need something I might go buy a place what time is it? Is it still still time to enough to meet them, or is it There more? is definitely still time to meet your companions and catch up with them. So let's conclude me saying this. As you exit the hospital, the urge to drink some alcohol and calm your nerves is a strong one. Whatever you've just encountered, you need to relay to your companions, no matter how little you may respect or like them. You have no idea what it is they've encountered. But this information needs to be shared. There's still other places you can go, still other people you can meet, questions that need to be asked about this. There's that still that burning feeling in your mind that you need to confront the Wilson family if your son won't. Maybe you can, under the pretense that it's all part of this investigation. But maybe your companions have taken that from you. Maybe they've already done it. You won't find out unless you call them and meet up with them and share what little you know. And so, it's time to raise your phone to your ear and get in touch with the chief. You have listened to an episode of Red Moon Roleplaying, where we played The Shunned for Cult Divinity Lost, which was written by Jonas Nelson, with additional material from Petanalo. 
The Shunned was released as part of the Screams and Whispers scenario collection. Our Game Master was our dear friend Matthew Dawkins, and the series has been sponsored by the fine folks at Helmgast. The music was made by H.M. Carceri, featuring a number of collaborations with other artists, and was used with permission from their label, Cryochamber. Check out their website at cryochamber.bandcamp.com or their YouTube channel for some moody dark ambient. We would like to give massive thanks to our champions of the Red Moon, Martin Hoyshobert, Nastasha Rollerson, Simon Cooper, David, Julia, Camilla, Ludwig Manford, Bob Lange, Julian, Cameron, Xavier, and Anton for their generous support. And we would of course also like to thank all of our other patrons. Without your support, the show would not be possible. If you want to support our work, please check us out on Patreon. You can get access to bonus campaigns for Cult of Inti Lost and Coriolis there, as well as get early and raw access to all of our recordings. You can also hear your name read on the show as the Champion of the Red Moon, as well as play Cult with us. Most importantly, that support is what keeps the show going, so do check us out there. Thank you again for listening, and remember, death is only the beginning.